Hello and welcome to There's Always Tea, an uplifting podcast that will hopefully have you laughing and learning along with us. But before we start the show, click subscribe or follow now so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. My name is Keith Hockton. I'm the public historian, author and broadcaster. And as usual, I'm in the studio with my co-host, Nikki Jordan, who will help me digest a feast of facts over a cup of tea. And we have a great show for you lined up today on fortune cookies. And perhaps the unusually shaped biscuit treats have more to them than you realized. Nikki is an intuitive transformation coach, a certified aromatherapist, a fellow broadcaster, an author, and a mum. Hi, Nikki. Hey, Keith. Great to see you again. Fortune cookies. Goodness, I've had a few of those in my time. They're so fun, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, me too. But before we delve into the world of fortune cookies, what tea are you enjoying this morning? There are some mm. lovely aromas coming from your tea. What's the deal? <laughs> Well, I'm actually keeping it simple today. I haven't made my own, um, but I found these lovely tea bags that just arrived at my local supermarket, cranberry, okay. orange and ginger tea. Ooh. It smells a little bit Christmassy, doesn't it? In fact, I think if I added cinnamon, we would be right on that sleigh bell ride. <laughs> you know, I'm not a fan of drinking fruity teas, but I do love how your teas smell. They add a certain je ne sais quoi to the studio. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. And certain aromas are great for lifting the vibes. You know me, I'm all about raising those energies. Yes, you are. <laughs> so what have you concocted today, just out of interest? Almost sound boring, but I'm having English breakfast tea this morning. <laughs> Something simple, a tea that says, let's get this show on the road. If you say so, I agree, though. Let's get this going. Okay, fortune cookies, Nick. We are breaking it down because, well, I see them all the time when I'm in the States and I didn't know anything about them. And I found out there is more to the humble fortune cookie than I first thought. Mm, intriguing. You know, I had them sometimes when I worked in Hong Kong and I loved the little shape. It was a pillow, wasn't it? Or a just cushion. But they don't taste very much, if anything at all, actually. <laughs> didn't they come from China? A just cushion. <laughs> really? just, you know, when you just the cushion. <laughs> You know, when you, you have oh, your dear. cushion and then you just bash it in the middle. It's a zhush. Uh-huh. That's the zhush. Okay. Well, part of what you said right. Which part? <laughs> Not tasting very much part. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, I've had one or two fortune cookies where I thought that was okay. But now I think about it. It was usually at the end of a very heavy meal. And there's a blandness to them, like they need to be flavoured. I did see that they actually have started adding vanilla to them, which would help. Um, but I wasn't eating them for the cookie itself, right? You just don't do that. I was just dying to break it open and find my fortune message inside. You know, I'm going to yeah, win I... millions. I'm going to meet the perfect guy. You know, all of this. <laughs> okay, I agree. Now, if they sandwiched a fortune in the middle of a triple dark sea salt chocolate chip, I'd be eating them in droves. <laughs> I'm sold. I would buy those in bulk. Did you have them in Hong Kong or Japan when you were there? No, never. I never ever saw them in Hong Kong or anywhere else in Asia for that matter either. Mm, it's funny like that, isn't it? I mean, I saw them briefly in Hong Kong and in Japan, but I don't know, they never really took off. It wasn't a big thing, really. No, no, they didn't. It's a, it's really an American thing. So, Nick, I thought it would be good to go through nine facts about fortune cookies that perhaps you didn't know. Oh, I love that. Lucky nine. I like nine. You know, I like that number. There's something yeah. in there too, you know. I don't doubt it for a minute. <laughs> Look, it's a mad world out there. So being in here with you talking about fortune cookies is a great way to spend a morning. I'm in. <laughs> Me too. Okay, fact <laughs> number one. You know the pillow shaped of the cookie? Or the just cushion? Yeah, it's very unique for cushion. sure. 
Well, did you know that fortune cookie is a fortune cookie is actually baked flat and that fortune yeah. isn't baked into the cookie? I didn't know it was baked flat. That's rather interesting. But with my common sense head on, I would say that mm, it might catch fire putting paper in the oven. So I can understand that mm. one. Oh, yeah. I never thought about that. And also, <laughs> I guess it would be gross from all the batter. I mean, fortune cookies mm. are thin way for cookies. And when you put them in the batter, if it had the fortune in it, it would be all mushy. So how do they put the fortune in the cookie then? Okay. They bake it first. Then they put the fortune in. Then they gently fold it while it's still pliable. Mm, so they bake it flat, then they stick it in there, and then they fold it. Oh, well, mm -hmm. you learn something new every day. Indeed. Okay, fact number two. Where do fortune cookies come from originally? Hmm. So my first guess would be China, but I know from living in Hong Kong that they weren't that popular. So by the look on your face, though, you're dying to tell me. You know, don't you? So where <laughs> did they come from? Come on, let's have it. Okay. Well, we joked earlier about them coming from China, and you may think that they do because you always find them in Chinese restaurants, but it's not so. And there are a few reasons why people might think this. Mm, okay, go on. Well, okay. So in her informative book, Fortune Cookie Chronicles, Jennifer Ately hints that they may have started from an idea that originally came from mooncakes. Okay. We know those well in Asia, don't we? Yeah. So mooncakes do come from China, and they are associated with the Mid-Autumn Festival where, the, where they celebrate the fall harvest. Yeah, I've had those. I mean, they're, they're a little pastry and they're usually round, aren't they? Though yeah. I have seen some square ones, maybe okay. I know, a little bit different, but um, they're quite dense with a thick filling, which is usually made from red bean paste or lotus seed or red date paste, if I remember yeah. rightly. And they have that little stamp on them, don't they? Which tells you what's inside. I love that. And no matter whether they are salty or savory, in the middle is salted cured duck egg yolks. <laughs> mm. hey, have you ever had one of those i have and it does not get saltier than that <laughs> really you think so yeah it's so salty it's like licking the utah salt flats and usually your <laughs> face will just fall right off after a couple of bites it's crazy salty and it dries your mouth out faster than a super hot air hair dryer not that you're dramatic or anything. Um, well, I actually don't mind them. Yeah, look, it's an acquired taste. You can get them in town at most of the bakeries around the time of the Mid-Autumn Festival, which is around September uh, each year, I think. Yeah, true. So um, they're given a symbolic gesture. This is what I love, right? The meaning behind giving these. So they're given to loved ones and friends to symbolize a full moon, the coming together of families, and to wish them a long and happy life. I love oh, that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the rumor is that when Genghis Khan invaded China in 1211, the Chinese started offering mooncakes to the Mongolian army and purposely made them extra salty so that they wouldn't appeal to them. Ooh, tactics. Did it work? Yeah. The uh, the Mongolians hated them. And because mm. they, they didn't like them, the Chinese started putting messages in them. And of course, they were never found. Oh, what kind of messages? Secret messages? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. So this is the basis of where fortune cookies came from, right? Yeah. Messages from the past secretly hidden in the cookies. I mean, it makes sense in a weird kind of way. Genius, really. Yeah. So fortune cookies do come from China then? No, that's just the theory on their origins. Huh. So where are they from? Okay. Drum roll, Japan and I can't America. Do that. I can't do the drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> You're not meant to do a drum roll. I'm just saying drum roll. It would be cool if I could America. do that. That that would be a nice skill to have, actually. Um, really? I didn't know that. Japan and America. 
Yeah, I think so. So in 1907, there was a guy by the name of Mikoto Higuara. Uh, he was caretaker of the Japanese tea gardens in San Francisco. Have you been? Oh, no, I, I have been to San Francisco, but I've always wanted to go there. I hear they're beautiful. I do know that they are the oldest public Japanese gardens in the United States. Yeah, I've been and they are stunning. The design is really, it's unlike anything outside of Japan that I think I've ever seen. Well, interesting. I mean, next time I'm going to San Francisco, I'll make an effort to visit. Yeah. Well, they were originally created um, as a Japanese village exhibit for the 1894 California Midwinter International Exposition. And the site originally spanned one acre. Okay. So they expanded on it too after the fair was over. Yeah. So when the fair closed, um, Hagiawara and, and the superintendent, John McLaren, reached an agreement whereby um, Hagiawara created, was allowed to create a permanent Japanese-style garden, basically as a, as a gift to the people of San Francisco for prosperity. Oh, that's nice. And so he became the caretaker of the property, I guess, pouring all of his personal wealth, passion and creative talents into creating the garden that you see today. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. Well, when you have the passion, you have to go for it, you know? Yeah, and he then extended, he expanded the garden to its current size, which is about five acres. That's cool. I love it. However... Ooh, not good. What? Yeah, he was, so really weirdly, he was fired for being Japanese by the mayor of San Francisco. Hang on, what? God, we were weird, weren't we, years ago? Um, I mean, he's a Japanese man looking after a Japanese garden, and look at all the time he spent around it. I mean, what could be better than that? Yeah, I know, right? And I, I, and I have no idea why he was fired. I don't think anyone does. It could have been a personal thing, but basically they, they, they let him go. But, he, but the public loved him, from what I understand. Yeah, he was super popular with the public. And the gardens were one of the main attractions in San Francisco. I mean, did they defend and help him? Yes. So they rallied and petitioned the mayor, and eventually he was rehired. Uh, then he started making cookies, which we now know as the fortune cookie, with little thank you notes inside. And he started handing them out to people who came to the gardens to support him. And there nice. you go. That's how it all started. Did it, though? I mean, I like that story, and I'm leaning that way. But didn't L.A. also claim to be the home of the fortune cookie? Yeah, yeah. There was some talk of L.A. being home. I remember that. Mm. So the people of L.A. claim that the Chinese immigrant David Jung, who founded the Hong Kong Noodle Company while living in Los Angeles, invented the cookie in 1918. Oh, okay. Hmm. The plot thickens. So he was concerned about the poor people he saw wandering around his shop, you know, sort of outside yeah. and, and, and near it. And he created the cookies and passed them out for free on the streets. Look, he could have done that and he probably did do that. But you said that was in 1918. But Hagiawara was doing it almost 30 years before. Mm, good point. And in 1983, the Court of Appeals took up the story of the fortune cookie and ruled that San Francisco was the birthplace of the cookie. Ah, there you go. The definitive ruling. Yep. Okay, so fact number three. Do you know the ingredients that go into them? <laughs> okay. Well, I don't think there would be many. That would be my best guess because they don't taste very much at all. Yeah. Um, flour, eggs, sugar, maybe some butter. And then, as I said earlier, I think vanilla is going into them now to just give them a little bit of a variation. 
Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. And did you know that they were made for about 40 years with chopsticks? Mm, I did know that um, because that's a very Japanese way to make something. And it was the Japanese bakers that really dominated that business for a long time. Yeah, actually, up until World War II, when they were all locked up or deported after the attack on Pearl Harbor. So about 1942. And that's when the Chinese bakers stepped in and started making them. Mm, and then evolution began. Yeah. Okay. Fun fact number four. When did the messages start changing and morphing? Mm, well, that all started in the 1930s. This is when we started getting Confucius-type sayings. You know, things like, better a diamond with a flaw than a pebble without, you know. <laughs> and, and quotes from the poor man's almanac went in there as well. Okay. Um, and then they started putting lottery numbers in and then smiley faces. I mean, for me, just give me a classic fortune. Yeah, know? me too. Me too. Mm. I know that you said you didn't see them when you were in Hong Kong, but I did. Okay. Yeah. So when I first arrived there and I was working at Goldman Sachs, my team took me to a restaurant and they gave them all out at the end of the meal. I mean, it was such a cute thing to do. You know, not every restaurant did it, but but we did it there. And yeah. it was fun as we read out the fortunes around the table, though one would say that's bad luck right there, I reckon. I mean, a bit like telling someone what your wish is when you blow out your birthday candles. The feeling is that it won't come true. In fact, maybe that's where I went wrong all those years ago. <laughs> I told people what my fortune cookie message said. You you really can't read them out loud. I didn't know that. I thought that was the, the whole point, <laughs> to read them out and just have some fun with them. I don't know. I mean, I was always told that you had to keep them a secret. I mean, that's how I believe about wishes. You know, you keep your wishes and you keep them a secret. Right. But maybe one of our listeners can tell us if that's true or not. Well, what I do know is that in the mid-1990s, the largest manufacturer of fortune cookies, the Wonton Food Inc., decided they would import them to China and it was a disaster. So I'm thinking maybe mm. that's why I didn't see them in Hong Kong. Yeah, it could be. I mean, the Chinese didn't take to them. And I have to say that I think I'm with the Chinese on this issue. Yeah, me too. OK, fact number five. Where do fortune cookie sayings come from? Oh, I do know this. Do you know there's actually a database of sayings that um, the Wonton Food Company based in Brooklyn uses? And it's around 15,000 messages. Wow. Yeah. And Yang's Fortunes Inc. in San Francisco has a database of about 5,000 messages. And just as a comparison, Hogyokudo, a bakery in Japan, has used the same 23 messages for decades. Wow. Okay. Mm. Just to add to that, Donald Lau, who has been the most prominent writer of these sayings, decided to retire last year after 30 years of working for the Wonton Food Company and writing many of the sayings. He started writing them to, quote, make people smile. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's why I love the premise behind the fortune cookies. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and I think he achieved that. I mean, they're a definite conversation starter when they're handed out over a meal. Yeah, yes, they are. Okay, fun fact number six. Have any fortunes come true? Well, although these are thought of as a bit gimmicky or something fun to do with your friends, it was reported that 110 people won the lottery in one day thanks to fortune cookie numbers. No way. Really? I know. It's great, right? It happened in 2005 in the US. And basically, um, Powerball officials were confused when 110 people in 29 states became second place winners in one day. Yeah, as you would. Yeah. So how did so many people all over the country get five out of six numbers right? right. Well, they traced it back to fortune cookies manufactured by Wonton Food. Get out. Really? Yeah. And what's more, the fortune cookies were free 
and looted the winners a hundred thousand to five hundred thousand dollars. Wow, that's amazing. How weird is that? Yeah, or you know what I like to see it as the law of attraction coming in through the universe. You know my thoughts on this. You attract mm-hmm. what you align with energetically. Those yeah. guys needed that many and they got it. Yeah, I like that. Mm-hmm. So number seven, how many fortune cookies are baked daily? Okay. Well, the largest manufacturer of the fortune cookies, as we've mentioned, is Wonton Food Inc. And they make a whopping four and a half million cookies a day, most of which mm-hmm. are eaten in the U.S. That's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you don't really, because you don't hear much about fortune cookies, you don't realize that they actually are big business every day. Yeah, Yeah. massive. Mm -hmm. All right, fact number eight. Did you know that there is a fortune cookie museum? (laughs) I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised. I mean, look at some of the the museums that we've got here. We've got the Ghost Museum, the Asian Camera Museum, like there's an Asian camera. I didn't know that. The Upside Down (laughs) Museum, the Dark Mansion Museum, and there is even a teddy bear museum just down the road. So fortune cookie museum makes sense. Okay, where is it? Yeah. Well, there are at least two that I know of. One is in San Francisco's Chinatown district. No surprise there. Um, The other is in Japan and features over 40,000 different fortune cookies from around the world. That's nuts. I mean, there are only so many ways you can shape a cookie. Okay. So fact number nine, how much money is made from fortune cookies each year? How much do you reckon? Hmm. Um, Well, a few million, I would say. Yeah, I'll say try $4 million a day. That's $1.46 billion a year. That is amazing. I mean, gosh, that really is a fortune. Sorry to sound corny, but it is a fortune cookie, isn't it? It is. Blimey. All right. So there are some useful facts. I mean, you will all be able to go on with your day now, having known that all of those facts about fortune cookies. Um, But if you'd like to learn more about fortune cookies in depth, then do look at Jennifer Lee's book. She wrote the book called The Fortune Cookie Chronicles. And yeah, I'm a fan of that book. I loved it. Yeah, me too. Okay. Thanks, Nick. It's been a lot of fun. Yes, it has. Thank you, Keith. Okay, well, sadly, that's all we have time for. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to click subscribe or follow now so that you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And if you'd like to contact us, send us an email. You know, we do respond to everyone's questions and you can find us on there's always tea at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook and there's always tea. Bye for now.